Hey, it's Scott Orn of Cruise Consulting, and welcome to another episode of Founders and Friends. And before we start the podcast, let's give a quick shout out to Rippling. Rippling is the new cool payroll tool that we see a lot of startups using. Rippling is great for your traditional HR and payroll. They integrate very nicely. But guess what? They did another thing. They integrate into your IT infrastructure. They make it really easy for when you hire someone to spin up all the web services and their computer, which sounds kind of like not a huge deal. But actually, we did the study at Cruise. We spend $420 on average just getting a new employee's computer up and running and their web service up and running. It's actually a really big deal. It saves a lot of money. And the dogs are eating the dog food. Like We see a lot of startups coming in to Cruise now using Rippling. So please check out Rippling. Great service. We love it. I think we have a podcast with Parker Conrad. You can hear it from his own words, but we're seeing them take market share. So shout out to Rippling. And now to another awesome podcast at Cruise Consulting's Founders and Friends. Thanks. So when your troubles are mounting in tax or accounting, you go to Cruise Founders and Friends. It's Cruise Consulting. Founders and Friends with your host, Scotty Ohm. Welcome to Founders and Friends Podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting and my very special guest today, Evan Marr of Logical. Welcome, Evan. Hey, it is good to be here. I think this is my sixth time on the uh, podcast. Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe, or five, maybe. Five or six, well, because we did a... Uh, you did the CFO one around PPP. did the CFO one around table on the yeah. PPP, yeah. So I might, five or six, and you yeah, did get my name right the first time, this time. That's, so the that's that, uh, Yeah, that's by far the... And you're also, people don't know this, Evan actually stunt, sings the intro song for the Cruise Consulting Founders and Friends podcast, which is unbelievable. <laughs> I get, it's actually like one of my favorite things in life, and I get so many comments, like positive comments. People love it, so... Oh, uh, you just you made my name. day. You made my day. That was amazing. <laughs> I think it would have cost five bottles of booze for okay, your bandmate. It was like 250 bucks. Yeah. 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 So it was four bottles of whiskey and one of uh, tequila. <laughs> that way, that way the rest of the, the next practice session was going to be off the hook. Exactly. Exactly. So. Um, well, hey, so we decided, we thought we always do this kind of end of the year. It's, 20, it's end of 2020 right now, going 2021. This will probably be published like the first, second week of 2021. Right on. And we got a couple, some, uh, some topics, like just broad ranging topics. The first one was remote work and what's going to happen in 2021 with everyone. In, like at Cruise, we've, we've been remote for a long time, but not we still had a San Francisco office. But I think all five of the other people in San Francisco, there's seven total, five, five left to other states. Wow. And that's us. That's our reality. We hire nationally, you know, been doing it for years. Logical, you want to give an update on Logical, your company? And then let's talk about what we think is going to happen in late 2021. Yeah. Well, so let's say, well, we were already 70% remote. Uh, we, we, the company was founded on the East Coast in Washington, D.C. We were services provide like a professional services organization. And then, you know, when we converted to a software company and said we're going to be a SaaS platform, you know, all the engineers were like, so we re relocated to headquarters, San Francisco, and all the engineers were like, so I could sell my six bedroom in Silver Springs, Maryland and get a studio in San Francisco. I don't think my wife and three kids would like that. So, so they yeah, hard to recruit. I actually remember talking to you about someone you were trying to recruit, and you uh, couldn't get them over the hump because it's just too expensive. Yeah. So, well, fortunately, like our, so, our engineering team has been basically one hundred percent remote. All you know, but all SGNA and go to market for the most part was uh, was still a headquartered in SF. We actually closed our uh, our San Francisco office before the shelter in place. We were, we were like a week or two ahead of uh, London Breed. And so uh, we closed it on, I think, the 5th 
of uh, of March, and then within three weeks, our CEO, who all, all who already kind of felt like one of our secret weapons in recruiting, was like, "Hey, we'll we'll pull you wherever, you know, Canada, UK, you know, uh, New Jersey, whatever, you know." And so he was just like, "Yeah, we're fully remote forever. Why would we ever pay a hundred thousand for uh, you know a month, you know, for for an office?" So honestly, I, that's one of my big predictions for twenty twenty one is. Um, Man, it's just like the bid ask spread on San Francisco commercial real estate right now is like vast, and yeah. um, and I just think a lot of start the big companies will go back to offices on hybrid or floating, you know, hotel kind of what they call it, you know, basis. But um, oh, it's my, it's my son in the background, yeah. um, little cameo. Um, there he is. <laughs> oh, son. Um, but the, the small companies are going to be like rent. Why would I pay rent? Like we, you know, COVID in twenty twenty has shown this work. Yeah. This whole yeah. Zoom works, Hangouts work, Squadcast, it works. Well, it's also not just it's not just the corporate rent; it's the uh, individuals who work at the company's rent. You know, like yeah, I think yeah. that's actually the bigger pull. I have the same prediction for you. By the way, we're aligned on this one that basically people are not going to come back. No, <laughs> when yeah. the companies say no. come back, people are not going to come back. Yeah, and you're going to have a basically a choice whether you want to recruit like half a new team. Exactly. Or if you're going to accommodate people. And I think people are going to accommodate. And the reason is like you can like the, the cruise team, we had one person move to Texas, one person moved to Virginia, one person, two people moved to New York. One per, I, There's one other person I'm forgetting where they went to, but everyone out, even New York is slightly cheaper than San Francisco, which I can't believe I'm even saying probably not for long, but yeah, it, it, it's also an opportunity for people to have different life experiences and try different things. And especially if you're not, if you don't have a kid, you know, you guys are doing a great job. Like you should let the audience know where you're recording from right now. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, I am in New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, my wife and I, so we had a, a child in June. Our, our first, most people don't wait till age 41 to have a child, but some of us are late bloomers. And then we, we kind of were unable, like he still hasn't met his grandparents. He's only met one uh, relative, uh, our, our, my sister-in-law who lives nearby. Um, so because of COVID, my parents haven't been able to travel. Yeah, neither of my, my wife's uh, parents were able to travel. So we were basically kind of like driving across the country and spend a month. You know, I'm not going to do yeah. like a week with a six-month-old in a car. That Forget that. That's impossible. Because yeah. you can only really drive about five hours a day with a, with a, with a six-month-old baby, four-month-old yeah. when, we, when we first left. So we did a month in Boulder. And that was like a three-day drive, five hours a day from San Fran. And then a month in Austin, Texas. We are now in New Orleans. And then we're trying to figure out our next move. I think we might. We were going to try to continue these guys. I don't think it's going to happen. But anyway, it's um, it's been interesting seeing, you know, different states, frankly, deal with COVID differently. But in the meantime, I like just getting back to your topic, like the, the remote thing works at all but the largest companies, the FANG companies that pay the most anyway, right? Your Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, whatever, um, Google, everyone else is like every like secretly after a conference, you know, or I'll just like chat with someone and they'll be like, yeah, we know that we're going to ask people to come back. but you know, it's one of those things when if you turn on the lights, like you're going to see all the cockroaches in the kitchen, you're going to find out that like 40% of your workforce now lives in Sun Valley or, or Vail, you know, or Hawaii, you know, or like, oh, I don't have to, I don't have to like screw around on BART and, I, and pay 2800 for a crappy studio. I know. And, I and, know. And, so, and so realistically, you know, all of our, like, as I just said to an employee an hour ago, dude, we have no assets other than our bank checking account, right? Yeah. So the only thing we have is people. So as much as I think CFOs, the short-sighted ones are going to be grumpy and say like, oh, we're paying San Francisco wages for someone in who moved to Spokane and they're just pocketing that different. Well, 
who cares? This for a one time, it's like who cares that you? I have I have a video on YouTube on that exact topic because I've seen people talking about how they gotta rearrange this or adjust this down, and I'm just like, you're just asking for trouble. You're asking for pissed off people. Yeah, and you know what? All that matters is your talent. It doesn't matter. Yeah, and the cost of losing one of those people will probably change. Will probably suck up the whole benefit you get from reducing people's salaries slightly. It's just a totally bad idea. Agreed. And I think I got a little bit of flack on YouTube. Like some people commented saying this is wrong or you're not very smart or things like that. Yeah. But like, Scott, first I mean, of all, YouTube commenters. So I'm not oh, going yeah, to. Yeah, I'm sure that you were called multiple <laughs> ethnic slurs that do not yeah, exactly. ethnicity within 10 minutes. So but, whatever. Um, <laughs> it's the reality. You just don't want to piss people off. It's not worth it. And, yeah. you know. There was a good discussion actually on BAO, uh, uh, Operators Guild, that we're both part members of. And one person uh, who who's smart and I respect, I think they're thinking about this a little bit, maybe a little bit too cerebrally and a little bit too much, uh, you know, not a criticism, but, you know, more as like a what I would call the lawyerly thinking of parade of imaginary horribles. It's like in, in, the, in this parade of imaginary horribles, like, well, what if you have someone who goes from San Francisco and takes a San Francisco salary with them? And goes to Biloxi, Mississippi, and you know, and then you hire someone else in that exact role, you know, like customer service rep or whatever, and in Biloxi, and that person is of a protected class, and you're going to give them a lower salary than you know someone who you know, let's let's say is a white male or whatever, yeah, you know, yeah. and that and, and and like yeah, that, well, that would be a problem. But here's realistically what's going to happen: most companies, no matter how fast they're growing. You know, they're not growing so quickly that they're going to immediately have to hire so many people in so many different locales that they're going to have an apples to apples comparison. Yeah. Number two, basically what you say to those people when they move to a lower cost area is like, okay, great. We're not going to reduce your comps. Just know that, you know, if you were expecting a three to 5% bump, you know, every year, uh, might be a little while because we're going to, we're going to get you back into band eventually. Yeah. You know, so anyway, I just, I don't think it's as big an issue. I think that's Um, it. And you just write a policy about it, you know, but yeah. I don't know. I think it's crazy. Um, so yeah, it's going to be really interesting though. Cause I live in San Francisco still. I like it here. I'm yep. seeing the housing prices come down pretty dramatically. We have, I know. we've decided not to buy for, we're going to wait like another year here. Mm. Hopefully knock on wood, we can afford at some point. That'd be great. But like, I'm not going to buy before every, like all the people who want to sell a house right now still think everything's going to come back to normal. And I know yeah, it's, it's, not. So, it's not. Yeah. I still remember talking to a real estate agent like six months ago when COVID first hit and I was like, you don't understand people are moving out of the city like crazy. You, yeah. you don't understand. And then our, our real estate agent was not in San Francisco, so he didn't really understand it. And yep. of course, anyone who's selling their house doesn't want to live out here. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. We're so, I mean, I think, I think it's going to be really good for society. Like, first of all, not everyone's going to be crammed into the city I love and making my life stressful and crazy. Yeah. And you can, there's just going to be more opportunities in other places. It's going to be really cool. I agree. I, you know, without this is a, a finance and, and business podcast, but like societally, like places are not made great when people have to be there. You know, like, yeah. That's so a many great people point. that live in New York only because they have to. Yeah. Whereas like San Francisco, there's all these people who are just like, you know, because when tech took over the world, right? There's all these people that would never have lived in San Francisco 30 years yeah. ago because yeah. it's like San Francisco was for artists and the LGBT community and, and eccentrics and bohemians and artists and musicians. And like, yeah, those people can't afford to live in San Francisco. Yeah. And, and so yeah, I'll have all these, you know, people who 
do not match any of those and are not really in keeping with the culture. And a lot of people look like me. They're here only because, well, that's where Google's going to pay me 300K a year. What? Yeah. Yeah, that's good for your career, but it sucks for the culture of the city. Yeah. Totally. You know, totally. and gentrifies the hell out of it. And then, and, 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 yeah. and also like how those people aren't like stoked to like, I, I always had this weird thing with like one of my, you know, another executive I worked with who's since moved back to the Midwest. And he, all he would do is complain about San Francisco, complain about the cleanliness. He would complain about the homeless population. Hey, we'd butted heads on a lot of things, but it's like, you know how many people kill to live here? This place is the coolest city in the world. And you're just crapping on all the time. So I, I think it's, it's going to be better for San Francisco to a trade out. Like I, it was like, I, I love San Francisco. But, yeah. um, but you know, I think the other thing is people who have moved don't know this, but like we have a young family. Like when I go to the park, it's all young families, all yeah. young families. Like even a lot of the young single people have left, yep. but like the people of families with kids in school aren't leaving or haven't, haven't left as much, I would say. Yeah. And it's becoming like pretty rapidly, like affordable again for young families. You used to have to move to the burbs, especially yep. like if private school wasn't an option or you didn't, there's a crazy lottery in San Francisco for at schools. Right. If you don't know this, that makes it really hard to get into a school that you live by. But I think that's going to change, which is pretty yep. cool. So, Agreed. okay, let's go to topic number two, PPP. Was that a success or not? What do you yeah. think? Uh, you know, I, I guess I try to keep my politics out of, uh out of this uh this podcast um got good, we got a good thing going here uh scott i don't want to screw it up by talking politics but put it this way you have a largely dysfunctional political situation uh in the united states right now with two sides that are so far apart the fact that they got anything done at all is frankly uh a, almost a pleasant surprise it's yeah. our efforts pale in comparison to you know to what other countries have done but the fact that anything got done at all probably pretty impressive and ultimately like as much as you know that there's going to be all sorts of stories of, and there already were when like you know shake shack a public company takes like 10 million dollars whatever and and so invariably there will be fraud and embezzlement and and and, and the, the thing is that's going to happen when you spin up a trillion dollar yeah. loan program from scratch in 90 yeah. days like that's how it works not even 90 yeah. days, 50 days 45 days so, um, and those will get high profile press because, you know, nothing sells papers and yeah. generates clicks like fraud and malfeasance and embezzlement from the, you know, the government uh, teat. But, um, but the truth is, I look at the people in our boat and, and the, you know, the people on the operators guild, all of whom, you know, are in cash consuming companies that employ a material percentage of high income workers around the United States. And we all would have laid people off. I, I, yeah. Not all, but the vast majority would have. Yeah. It worked, and yes, would it theoretically have been better? Does it does it denote a bit of a you know corporations are are people and maybe more important than people that like unlike other countries we didn't just like give like American people money we had to like funnel a lot of it through this you know through businesses um, yeah but you know I describe the world as it is not as I would like to be and number two it, it ultimately it worked like people didn't get laid off you know yeah. so. I think looking, it's just not set up like other countries to just cut checks directly to people. We, yeah. we, we don't have that legal mechanism, that monetary yeah. policy mechanism. So this was kind of like the best they could do on short notice. It worked. You know? I think it did too. There's a, I mean, we have the companies that raise like $50 million and, you know, huge valuations are like what captures the headlines in the venture ecosystem. But there's a lot of companies that are like two to 5 million raised and employ yep. 20 to 30 people. Yeah. And this stabilized a lot of those companies. I was just exactly. like, it's just, it's in our, if we, we have like 350 clients right now, probably 200 of those took PVP money. And I think pretty broadly it, it worked really well. And I can tell you, there's no, 
there's no fraud in those companies. Now that's 200 and they have a very professional accounting firm. Of course. But you know, like, so there's definitely some frauds in sketchy places. Right. But like, I think it worked and it was, it was a very stressful time. I didn't actually, it was like the least fun part of my career probably ever. And I worked in like tech M&A in 1999 where I was working. Were you at Robbie? Where were you? Oh, no kidding. 99, 99, 2000. I did not know you That's when I started my career. So I didn't know better, but that was very difficult. And this was, this was like rivaled that it was incredibly intense. Um, But like everyone got it done. I was actually emailing with one of our founders today and he was, he was like, Oh yeah. Like he's like, actually the forgiveness thing seems to be going pretty well. I was like, yeah. Cause the accountants and the banks have time now. That was probably my one thing of like, there's so many things were changing so rapidly in March and April. It was really hard to give good advice, but that's not really an issue now. And everything's pretty thought out and it's easy to get yeah. your forgiveness application in if you followed all the rules. And, and now there's just the day we're taping today is uh, December 28th. Um, the new bill just got signed, I think, late last night. That's right. Wow. There's going to be PPP2. Basically for companies that have a 25% reduction in revenue, but like, we don't know the rules yet. It's going to take another week for the rules to come out for that. But like, even that I, I respect, you know, there's some companies that took it worse than the others. Let's help people preserve their lives and their jobs and their savings and all these things they've worked yeah. really hard for. So I think it was a win. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you know, the things that we didn't do that I feel like we should have done as a society is like pay people to not go to restaurants, you know, pay restaurants to stay closed. Yeah. Because that's, those are the biggest vectors, it, it seems, are our meals. Yeah. And, and, you know, you know, the, but we didn't do that, of course. You know, yeah. pay bars to stay closed. And, you know, it's been interesting, you know, on this, you know, magical mystery tour across the United States. It's been interesting seeing which states are, are not taking it seriously and which are. And that's, like, you know, but that's what we really should have done. The, the uh, you know, the, the states that are not taking it seriously, like, I, you know, it, it would have been better if we had just paid those bars and restaurants to remain closed and shut down that yeah. vector. But yeah. it, it is what it is. We don't, this is not a podcast about epidemiology, so. <laughs> Okay, so that one was a win. Yes, we both agree. Uh, number three topic. Is there anything else you want to cover besides we before you oh, go? I was just going to say number one. I did not know that you were at J.P. Morgan during the late uh, the go go late nineties. So that's interesting. Well, I wasn't. Oh. I was I was at Hamburg and Quist, which Hamburg is one Quist. of like the tech boutiques. Right. But we were acquired. Yeah. We were acquired by Chase J.P. Morgan. So I, yeah. I did nineteen ninety nine. Started work as a fresh faced young young man, twenty two years old, in August first. And I remember the summer, the summer of two thousand, I had like three, maybe five days off. That cl- includes weekends. Like I had five yeah. days where I didn't work that whole summer. Yep. It was All miserable. Right. Cause that was the market was still really high. So everyone yep. was still doing M and A and it was crazy. But hey, I got like three years of experience in one year. That's and, right. Uh, it's, a, it's a personal cost there. Things didn't go my way in a relationship and some other bad oh, stuff. No. But you know, but hey, I I got I I got a lot of uh, knowledge. I was able to pass on to people during this crisis. There you, <laughs> so, yeah, oh, great. So, I, I have those yeah. memories as well. I've been working for well, I did two years of business school. Basically, been working for twenty one years now, which is mind blowing to me. Crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I was just going to say is that I did not realize how heavy a toll the PPP process. Uh, took on you because you always uh, maintain such a positive disposition. Oh, thanks, buddy. Yeah. Appreciate it. It's true. I definitely try to have a positive outlook on life. Yeah, that was tough. It was. Uh, I mean, it was nothing like I've ever seen before. Because yeah. you know, we have a lot of clients and everyone needed help, and there was it wasn't just a PP thing, but everyone was re- thinking about or restructuring their company. Of course, you yeah. know, 
it was it was nuts and just the stress of like this killer disease out there and i have asthma so i was hoping i didn't oh, get geez. it you know yeah i mean i just want to i mean do you remember like we didn't really know how contagious this thing was you know no, or how yeah. to stop it you we know? Also, i mean gdp contracted by like 32 percent yeah, quarter crazy. over quarter and as i pointed out like i don't think the gdp of Hiroshima contracted by 32% in Q2 of 1945. I'm not dead yeah. serious. I don't think it did. <laughs> Q3. It was bad. It was I mean, bad. So, but, oh, bananas. I'll never forget. It was like April, the second or third week in April, everyone was running around with their heads cut off because a lot of people are, t- you know, VCs are telling their portfolio companies to have yep. three years of cash and all this kind of stuff. And it was just nuts. And then I started seeing actually Andreessen Horowitz led two series A's and clients that are companies that became our clients. These were new companies. These were not like, this was deals done after COVID. And I was wow. like, Oh, the good VCs are, are back to fishing, you know, yeah. this no yeah. opportunity. Yeah. And that was the moment actually when um, my stress level went way down because then I was like, you know what? The good companies are going to get funded and it's going to be all right. And the venture capitalists know opportunity and they're going to put money to work. And so after that, I saw those two and we were very fortunate to get them as clients. They're pretty big, cool companies. Um, I was like, Oh, it's going to be, the world's going to be okay. Now we have like this crazy unique view, only the venture capitalists know before us and the founders, but I could extrapolate across the rest of the portfolio and knew what was going to happen. So yeah, you do. You guys do have some good insider information on. Uh, yeah, it's good. On, like you have your finger really on the pulse of the the, the bay. That's pretty fascinating. Yeah. Um, nice. Yeah, you should find a way to. I mean, I know you've worked on stuff, but you, like in a in a not uh, insider trading way, what are the ways that you could uh, you know? Because there's value just in the, in your knowledge, and you know, I, obviously well, you already do some things there, but but it's a it's an interesting asset that you guys have. It's just cool. Yeah. So. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's an asset that helps a lot of companies, you know, yeah. like we can, we can give good advice cause we see what's happening other places. Right on. Know? Yeah. And like sure. those, those two companies got funded by Andreessen Horowitz, but we, we could, we could tell, I was telling other companies, I'm like that, that we're gonna, that had the credentials to raise more money. You know, I was like, don't, they're going to be writing checks. Like the VCs are going to write yeah. checks. I know this is a bit of a tangent, but I will just say uh, when we did our podcast in the early days of PBP, or as I call it the Holy shit podcast, uh, we're like, what's going on, right? Um, with a CFO kind of turntable. I, I said, you know, which, you know, I stole directly from one of our VCs. Uh, was like this, you know, 2020 is a pass-fail year for startups. That's a good saying. You know? I like that. And, yeah. and, you know, if you passed, like, honestly, everybody deserves a gold medal this year. I just, if you survived this year, like, not just, you know, as a startup, just, hey, any year you survive as a startup is a, is a gold medal year to begin yep. with running yeah. startups hard but especially 2020 and then just as a human being like if you just google the ant-man 2020 meme i don't know if you've seen it but no. it's like it's the scene from ant-man where they just keep cutting back and forth from michael pena to uh, uh paul rudd where you know like he's catching paul rudd up on like what happened and it's like yeah and then there were all these riots and then you know and then and then murder hornets and then some dude some dude in China ate a bat, so I don't have a job. And it just goes, but it goes on for, I'm not joking, 40 pages. And you're just, and it, it, there's stuff that happened that in any other year would have been like the biggest news story ever. And you don't even remember it because it happened in June. Because like that's like we're all kind of numb. I think we're definitely yeah. numb. So if, I, um, to anyone listening to this, if you made it through 2020, I don't care. You get a gold medal. You get a gold medal. Everybody gets yeah, a gold medal. That's a good way of saying it. I like it.
Hey, it's Scott Orner, Cruise Consulting. And before we get back to the podcast, quick shout out to ChartHop. ChartHop is one of my favorite new SaaS tools on the market. And basically what ChartHop does is it puts your org chart in the cloud. And I always like to say, like, it brings transparency to your organization. And so, you know, everyone in your organization can see who they report to. They can see the full org chart of the company and how their group relates to other groups. It also has a lot of information on the individuals in the company. And so you can click on the chart out profile and just get like where people live, their experience, you know, Slack handles, all this kind of stuff. And it's just a really great tool. The other thing is ChartOp has started doing some cool stuff around compensation and budgeting planning. And so you can actually start seeing like what the cost structure of the company look like during certain kind of scenarios. So I'm loving ChartOp. Check it out, chartop.com. We use it at Cruise, really like it, and I can't recommend it enough. All right, back to the podcast. Okay, so we, we were going to call the next topic like goals, but I also want to do like fun predictions. So like, yeah, right. let me say my first fun prediction. By the end of 2021, like these are business predict- predictions. Sure. Disney Plus will have more subscribers than Netflix. Put it, put it on a piece of paper right now. It's going to happen. I think it's going to be pretty huge. Like I'm finding I watch Disney Plus a lot. I have a kid, but I watch Disney Plus a lot more for even adult stuff. Like we watched that Soul movie on Christmas. There's a bunch of other good stuff. There's a ton of Star Wars stuff going. The Mandalorian is my favorite show right now. So that's that's my first prediction. Do you have do you have anything? I, I'm springing this on you. I'll th- you know what I. Hmm. I think there's actually who controls the content, you know, controls the universe. And, yeah. and, and I think Disney just has all the good content. Uh, so I want to take the other side of that trade, like a, a $1 bet, uh, just, just because I want to, so I want, cause I'm all about that action. But, uh, but yeah, I think you, I, I actually, I, I believe you, I believe your thesis. I will, I'll do a related one. Uh, the CBS all access streaming service, the premium that will have fewer subscribers than founders and friends. That will, that no one will adopt. Yeah. <laughs> that's my, that's my, I'm the short side of the trade. And uh, so, anyway, but I'll, okay, I'll buy Apple, it. I keep trying to watch Diego the Explorer for my kid on Apple TV, and it keeps trying to subscribe me to that CBS thing. It's like, yeah. not, I don't think people care about that. I, actually, I, I can, this is horrible. You edit this part out so that I'm not smeared, but uh, I, I actually signed up for a free trial just because I'm big into post apocalyptic stuff and the, the new stand. Uh, oh. to stand. I, I wanted to check it out. It's a uh, good cast. Good? It's badly cut. It, they, like I only know it. They like they, they do so many flash forwards. You can't follow the plot. And I like have read the book twice or whatever. So yeah. I'm like, I only I can follow the plot because I have read it. Recently. Read the book. So anyway, it's bad. Okay, my next my next prediction is there's a for those who don't know there's the Bessemer has a like cloud software index, which we all should have bought this index. You know. Oh, yeah. Five years ago, six years ago, it's now up eleven hundred percent, eleven x basically, and it's like it's got like you know Shopify. I'm I'm checking out right now. It's up eleven about eleven fifty. It's destroying the Nasdaq. It's got uh, PayPal, Adobe, Salesforce, Shopify, ServiceNow, Zoom, Square, Atlassian, Workday, Twilio, CrowdStrike. There's so many of these companies. I'm just looking at the average enterprise value divided by annualized revenue, it's 22X. Oh, it's insane. Right now, that's a revenue multiple. That's not a profit. It's not, it's not even, uh, yeah. It's um, now the growth rate is 38% on average, which is really good. Yeah. But in the median is 18X and the median growth rate is 27%. 
now again, these these companies have the average gross margins like 70%. So these are very profitable, should cash flow like crazy companies. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say this is going to take a 30% haircut. So the best way at the end of 2021, by the way, I'm like long tons of these stocks. Like yeah. it's the classic, you buy what you use and I use them and I use Shopify. And yep. But it's been a great year returns wise. But I think this is going to come down, I would say 30%. So if we, if we look at this next year, just know from the, the like 1150 right now, is there a number? Let me just click this real fast. 2,648. I think that's going to be, call it 2,000, call it about 1,800. Okay. I, I, I think it's going to be a correction. It's too, too rich. hot. Yeah, it's too rich. It feels like 1999 again, unfortunately. Because yeah. I don't want to yeah. go through that again, but I think it does feel like that. I, I mean, it again. for like six years uh now I know. That it feels too but but it, the thing is weighing machine uh in the long term voting machine in the short term right so yeah. I, I'm, I, I'm with you i like that prediction i highly encourage people to google this index and look at it and kudos to bessemer like they did a heck of a job putting this together yeah um, i mean you can, can I, I don't even know can i share my screen on this? Uh, we don't have a on Squad whatever Cast. Uh, uh, hey, do you have a do you have a, a, a another prediction or do you need me? To I do. do no, I'll do um I'll do one. Uh, well, I, we already did the one. I, I put it into the chat. I don't think that's going to work, but uh, it's the, the index is in the chat. If that's helpful. Oh, um, gonna see that, unfortunately, yeah, that's what I, that's what I thought. Just Google BVP Nasdaq index, and it'll come right up. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. I, we already did my prediction that like the only companies like CFOs, CEOs who try to enforce you must return to San Francisco. Um, are, are they're going to find out 40% of their workforce no longer works there. And the only people who are act- actually going to reduce salaries will be the people who are the top of the market payers anyway, you know, f- the FANG companies. So, and yeah. you know, maybe other big companies. Other than, other than that, like they'll say, Facebook is going to say, hey, you moved to Spokane. We're going to cut your comp by 20%. And that's still higher than what you would make. And and people are going to say, Mer, because they got quarterly targets to hit because they're public, right? They want, they, they, you know, their investors are going to, you know, their shareholders are going to demand that. All the other small companies are just going to be like, okay, one time, take your New York, San Francisco salary to Austin, Texas, and you're fine. Financially, though, uh, continuing your, so we already did that one, but I just want to put a fine point on it. Continuing your uh, stock market valuation thing, I think you will continue to see, you know, a lot of that, that like kind of SaaS uh, cloud index. Is, has been driven by this, the last 10 years of, of investors falling in love with the predictability and uh, understandability yeah. of SaaS, traditional SaaS subscription businesses paid up front, 98% recurring revenue, net negative revenue churn, all the good things, right? Yeah. But increasingly, I think you will see high valuations placed on usage-based revenue, which five to six years ago, you there was not. And by the way, Logical does a big portion of its revenue in in usage base because that's how our customers want to buy. We've had this conversation on the podcast. Before. Yeah, I like you it. How to sell the customers that I want to buy. Pay for what you get. Exactly. Pay so for you what you use. Or pay as you go, I think will be the, uh, the new, I don't know, I don't want to say dominant paradigm, but it will achieve at <clears> least parity in investors' eyes on Wall Street and on Sand Hill Road. And five, six years ago, that was not the case. When Twilio, like one of our advisors, the you know former CFO of Twilio, and he was like, "Man, when we when we were the first ones out there, really doing usage based revenue, and fortunately, they were there to evangelize." And he, and he basically said, "Look, there's there's always going to be some segment of Wall Street that they're just going to beat you up because you don't look enough like Salesforce, or you don't look enough like you know subscription business X, you know NetSuite, you know stuff yeah, that yeah. is always on. You do not churn, you know." And they're just going to beat yeah. you up on that. So you just don't talk to those investors. You, you got to get people, talk to investors who get it and who understand usage base. So 
my, my twofold prediction is number one, there will be an open view. One of our investors has done a great in their capital markets write up on how usage based revenue is very much in vogue. I think you will continue to see when there is a good pricing market fit. That is to say, like in legal legal e-discovery tools, it's not something that, you know, our usage is not like consumed in a second, like Twilio, like an API ping, but it's also not like the usage is not like an, an HRIS or ERP or CRM where it's always on, you know, or yeah. whatever security monitoring, any like yeah. kind of in between, right? Project-based. You will continue to see investors value that as highly as subscription revenue if all numbers must go up and to the right. If they don't, yeah. if it's spiky, then you know your predictability yeah. is out the window, and and I don't have confidence that your fifty million in in revenue today is going to be eighty five next year. Then then I, you're not going to get those rich multiples. But you know what? That, I think that's a really great prediction and a really great. Uh, could you mind send me that open view thing because I want to look oh, at sure. that because that's, yeah. that's super interesting. Yeah, we are kind of usage based. We we have like pretty we have very good barometers of what a company basically needs to pay, yep. and it does it does work. Like people like like. We know the complexity at certain headcount and dollar amounts and expense amounts and things like that. So we basically built that. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, okay. My my prediction number five prediction is because you have two, I have two. Yeah. There you go. This there's a there's an index called the S and P K Schiller San Francisco Home Price Index. Oh. I think and this index right now is at two seventy eight as of September. So we don't have like you know this is why the Federal Reserve does this. I think this will go down, I'd say 20%. So I think it's going to be loosely about 230. Yeah, 235. Yeah. And um, December 2021. Got it. Um, do they, I, I believe that. Uh, I would even believe I, t- more than 20 is, geez, I could see even more than 20, but I'd say 20 makes sense. Is there a uh, comparable for commercial real estate? Oh, good idea. Let's That's see. what I want my other prediction to be. Is it going to be San Francisco or just all commercial real estate? I, San Francisco. I would like to short that to 50% is my price target. Yeah. I think that'll be a 50. The bit we were talking earlier, the bid ask spread on commercial real estate in San Francisco right now, it, it's like uh, collateralized mortgage back obligations in like oh, September of 2008. It's like, it's like no one wants to touch these things are absolute toxic assets. Totally. Um, so, you know, again, pay as you go. It's the same thing. People only want to pay for what they use. And when all their employees move away, they don't want to be locked into a, a lease is basically a subscription. They don't want to be locked into it. I know usage based, right? That's exactly it. I love it. I love it. Okay. I cannot find San Francisco does have these stats, but they haven't updated 2020 yet. Publish them tend to be commercial real estate agents who don't want to report that their business is in the tank. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't have a good number for this, but we can can look on to the next one. There's a CPI for greens. Let's see. As we're talking here, I don't really see anything. Okay. But I, I agree with you. CBRE has something. Let's see. No. They don't have any there. They may have it, but they may not want to share it. <laughs> yeah. Another good prediction. I'm kind of, I'm trying to think of something like stock market related. I think that you'll have a tepid recovery as the, uh, uh, as the Biden administration is hamstrung by uh, a split, uh, split Congress. So I, I think it will be difficult uh, imp- or if not impossible, depending on how the Georgia runoffs go to inject the necessary amount of capital to restart uh, economic growth in a meaningful way. So I, I would not be a super bull on uh, on the broader stock market, I think tech will probably continue to do pretty well. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I think I've you're been trying to. I've been trying to get my head around that and tax rates because I feel like tax rates need to go up because there's been so much deficit spending. Yeah. Um, oh, you know what we should do on tax. Um, we should do Bitcoin. What do we think the price of Bitcoin will be? Oh man. Um, but 
I'm trying to figure out if like t- rates will go up or if it'll get blocked or what's going to go on. I'll say that by the end of 2021, tax rates will have gone up just, just from like right now, like the average marginal tax rate will have gone up 1.5%, like a tiny, like an, an absolute number. So if it's like 33% right now, it'll go up to 34 and a half, basically. Okay. Would be my prediction. I, 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 that makes sense. I, I would have to, you know, I'm not a tax guru, so I, I haven't, I, I don't know how to weight the averages. But I would, I would probably look at just for simplicity's sake, the top marginal tax rate. Yeah, and I think I would say that goes up six percent. Okay, we'll say the average marginal tax rate goes up one point five, and the right. top goes up six percent. I guess like that happening too. Still lower than the days of under Comrade Eisenhower, for the record. <laughs> okay, so. the final one we're gonna do, and then we're gonna let these people return to their lives here. Is the price of Bitcoin? As I type this in right now, it is twenty six thousand nine hundred forty one dollars. Oh, Holy cow. Uh, I don't really have an explanation for it. I own a tiny bit. I'm very excited that it's gone up crazy. I don't know why it's gone up, except for maybe the deficit spending and everyone talking about it in their at Christmas dinner, you know, yeah. kind of stuff. What do you think, Evan, is the price of Bitcoin on December 31st, 2021? It's funny because you catch me. One of the things I do in my spare time is write uh, case studies for Harvard Business press oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. yeah i did one or two a year and i'm writing uh one on blockchain technologies uh, which one thing that i definitely learned uh when i started writing it was how little i knew about blockchain uh technologies i'll take a, a wild swing and i'll i'll say it's thirteen thousand. Thirteen, so half cutting yeah. it in half i think there's incredible volatility and i think it's I was, i'm gonna say eighteen thousand. i think it's gonna get cut pretty it's gone by the way for people it, we're recording this it's gone up like a thousand dollars a day for like the last week so you know <laughs> I'm not like making some crazy prediction. Yours is it's good. Yours is aggressive. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what the, you know, what am I gonna do? I mean, so, I do think it's pretty cool that we could potentially have a reserve currency for the whole world now yeah. instead of like the U.S. dollar. You know, it's pretty awesome. I got I got to take my hat off to everyone who is involved in Bitcoin or crypto, anything. It's it's super cool. And we you can kind of see up close what your government like your the dollar versus Bitcoin is like what the deficit spending is doing to us. Interesting. <laughs> in real time, but it's a really impressive number right now. 20, I mean, there's probably people who've made, become like hundred millionaires oh, in yeah. the yeah. last three weeks. And know? there are teenagers who, you know, turned nothing into $10 million and they yeah. don't have to work. And it's like, oh, what's that guy's life going to be like? You know, he yeah. doesn't need to do anything. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. For, for those who don't know, like, we're recording today's December 28th, 2020. December 28th, 2019, Bitcoin was at $7,300. So it's up three and a half X. Yeah. Um, wow. More than three and a half X since we record since like last year this time, which is Crazy. pretty impressive. Well, uh, well, sweet. All right, buddy. I love the projections. Good talk. Have fun in New Orleans and going across the country. Yeah. I'm very jealous. Right on. And uh, take care of that baby. Good talk to you. So when your troubles are mounting in tax or accounting, you go to Friends with your host, Scotty Old.